Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Service Services. I'm joined by my co-host. I almost didn't get that out, by the way. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, second year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Aaron. And second year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. And a good evening period to you, Aaron. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched. Oh, you're in your actor improv mode. I'm just trying to get sillier every time. (laughs) Oh, this is perfect. Thank you. Uh, The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. Well, you joined us for a good show tonight. We are going to talk about the role of improvisation in psychotherapy and psychiatric practice, and we are honored to have as our guest for this topic, Dr. Jeff Katzman. Dr. Jeff Katzman is a professor of psychiatry at the University of New Mexico, serves as vice chair and director of an international program on psychological resilience training, and maintains a private practice. He is a lecturer at Yale University's Department of Psychiatry and director of education at Silver Hill Hospital in New Canaan, Connecticut. Dr. Katzman has studied improvisation for 30 years and has applied improvisational theater concepts, consulting with interdisciplinary hospital teams, psychiatric trainees, psychotherapists, and patients. He is the author of two books, Integrating Psychodynamic Ideas with Improvisational Guidelines, Life Unscripted, and Ensemble, which was released just two days ago. Dr. Katzman, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Dr. Park, so much. I, I just want to get the ball rolling by asking you uh, what would describe your journey to concluding that improvisation is something to to keep in mind to learn to understand to develop a skill for in terms of your your psychiatric practice and teaching and supervision and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to, and thanks again uh, to all of you for inviting me. This is really an honor to get to join your podcast. It's very inspirational that you put this together and. Uh, I've even talked to our own residents, like, do you know what they're doing out there? And, and uh, so it's, a, it's an honor to be um, part of what you're doing. You're really leading the way for, for trainees everywhere, I think. So uh, yeah, my journey is, um, is an interesting one. And it's, I can talk to you about my journey uh, in the application of improvisational ideas in psychiatry and mental health and, and psychotherapy, as well as in life. Um, those are, are both um, things I'm pretty passionate about because I really do believe that having a dose of improvisation for all of us uh, leads to, to really better living. And so my, my journey came on a dare when I was an intern at Harbor UCLA and I went to see a show at Second City and my buddy there, uh, we were sitting there and they announced this training program that was opening um, at the Mayfair Theater in Santa Monica. And they said, uh, come and audition. And so the next day I did, there was a huge line of people auditioning and we played this hitchhiker game and I had no improv background. And the next day I got this phone call and they said, you're in, you know, and I come tomorrow and I came the next day and I think the whole line was in as long as we arrived with our check, uh, we, we were all admitted, but that was really the beginning of my journey with, uh, with, with what I'll call a little ensemble. There were uh, eight of us in our class and we went through level one and level two and level three, we became a little family. And I, I moved on to my second year of psychiatry residency at UCLA. And I was learning a ton about how people connect and how we build things together and how we collaborate that to be honest, wasn't really taught anywhere in my training, how we actually are with people. And when you think about it, we're not 
taught that anywhere. Uh, we are taught um, to, when we're on the way to medical school, we're taught about the importance of calculus and trigonometry. Uh, we're taught about the importance of electrons, but we're not taught about how to engage with another person spontaneously, yet we do it all the time. Um, we do it as psychiatrists and psychologists, um, and we also just do it as people. And uh, we don't teach it in high school. We don't teach it in elementary school. We don't teach it anywhere really about how to just have a spontaneous conversation like we are right now. We don't know where we're going right now, um, but it's actually an experience of improv that helps me be with you guys uh, in a, in a not so anxious way, to be honest. So anyway, I, I, UCLA had a program called the Imagination Workshop where they did improvisational theater with seriously mentally ill patients, adult autistic patients. And I was the medical director and was absolutely amazed at um, how these individuals could actually relate to one another once they were improvising and no longer um, kind of in their patterned lives. I then started doing it with Vietnam veterans and uh, at, at the VA and started realizing uh, really the joy that an experience of improvisation could bring to, uh, um, to, to a, a group of patients. Can I ask, like, what is the precedent for this? Would this look like role playing, which has been in therapy for a while? Or what, what does this look like? Yeah, is there a little a different than role playing, a little different than psychodrama, um, which is based um, more generally on, um, on real stuff, right? It, it's, it's based on um, ideas of, of things like I'll be me, you be my father, and then we'll role play and um, things like that. This is something a little bit different in that this is really um, honoring the experience of play, the experience of collaboration and building something together. Stuff we do as kids, stuff we're born to do, but that we don't do so much as grownups. And I was really honored to, uh, as a resident, be invited to a, a group of psychoanalysts who had been improvising together uh, every week for 20 years just um, to have a place to play. It was a play space. And when you think about it, that's what we do when we're kids. We go and we play, but we don't play anywhere as grownups so much. And, and the uh, kind of guru of improvisation, Keith Johnstone said, uh, adults are atrophied children. And I really do believe that in that this allows us uh, through games and exercises not to actually play roles we're used to, but become people we're not used to, or animals we're not used to, or, uh, or anything, or emotions. You talk about that in your, in, I ha, so, so Jeff has a, or sorry, Dr. Katzman has a book coming out, um, and I, you know, that just came out, and I'm excited to get my hands on it. In, in your earlier book, um, uh, Life Unscripted, you talked about play as something more or less vital to our lives and ability to communicate with one another and co um, collaborate and not be defensive and all that kind of stuff. And um, something that came to my mind was at some point in our lives, we learned that we're not supposed to be a class clown. Um, and that might be second grade or fourth grade or whatever, but there's never really a time. There's never... A, a way there, there's never a sort of like an introduced path that you can walk on. That's the middle path of here's how you be 
the successful funny student. You can only be the successful serious student or the unsuccessful playful student. And is that the most toxic thing you've ever heard in your life or not? Dr. Absolutely. I'm actually, <laughs> Are I'm you actually speaking from personal experience, Alan? Yeah. Oh, quite possibly. So, so I read... I read recently, actually, I'm, I'm trying to remember where it was, I, I will by the end here, um, that the absence of play in childhood uh, is up there with um, one of the more traumatic events that, that we can go through, that play is like oxygen, it's what we do. If you think about a, a parent and child gazing in, in the still face paradigm of, of Tronic going back and forth, a parent and a child are playing together. They're offering something, one is receiving and they're gazing back and that's what we do as therapists. I say something, then you say something back, and we're actually playing if okay. the therapist can play. So I'm going to stop you for a second yeah, because yeah. that's a perfect uh, – stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to be talking with Dr. Katzman about attachment. And now you must tell us what is a still face. Sure, sure. A still face is a, a paradigm where the parent and, and uh, infant are interacting with one another, and the parent is told not to respond and you see what happens to the infant in the presence of a still face. Um, and it's what we get when somebody says uh, yes, but to us, as opposed to yes, and, which is the heart of improvisation. Um, it's, it's a block, it's a, a negation of our reality and the young infant is, is struggling. So I, I bring this kind of image to say, that's what improv does for us, is it allows us to collaborate and play with one another and I think um, we can be successful and playful. I don't know that improvisation necessarily makes us funny. I don't think I'm necessarily so funny, um, but I can play uh, and, and we all can. So, so you don't have to be a funny person or um, think that you're gonna go do stand-up comedy or crack jokes in, in order to actually learn to be with somebody and, uh, and engage and, and, and learn to see them and be seen through the experience of building something together. Right. You know, I had a thought, um, Dr. Katzman, um, that, you know, there's a big push that's been for several years now to go to evidence-based treatments, manualized treatments, and, you know, in your, in your field, more checklisty type of approaches to folks. Does, is improvisational skills, is this something that can be easily integrated with this kind of push in our industry? Uh, I can, I can spend an hour with you, Dr. Parks, <laughs> answering that question. And I, I want to say there's, first of all, the stance and the heart of a therapist, no matter what they're doing. Um, and, and how does a therapist, how are they present, whether they're doing CBT or, or DBT or EMDR or whatever it is, um, still somebody is coming in to see us as a person um, and wants to be seen as a person from the very first moment. And we need to know how to how to get there, how to be a responsive person. And I think improvisation, improvisational theater really helps um, therapists who've had experience with that get there. Um, and, and that's why I think improvisational therapy training is so helpful for therapists to actually get out of the mode of um, having to say the right thing or, or not making a mistake or the, the things that we're so scared of during training. Um, I wanna say that there are some developing evidence-based uh, therapies that I think are fairly improvisational. Um, in particularly um, men mentalization-based uh, treatment. 
You're going to have to explain that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MBT um, is based is is an evidence based uh, treatment that really has um, shown a lot of evidence for the treatment of people with borderline personality disorder. But it, it is meant to I'm going to use some big words here meant to help people develop a capacity for reflection. So reflection into their own world and to connect and understand another person's world and to go back and forth with the experience of connection. The thing I wanna say about that is the, the heart of that treatment is called the not knowing stance of the therapist. So the therapist um, has to try to get to a place where they don't know the answer, but they're curious and they're trying to understand the other person's world. And that to me um, really just dovetails so nicely what, what we learn in improvisation, which is not knowing where you're going and getting really comfortable with that. And from that, magic happens. So also there, um, in team therapy, which is sort of the new iteration of CBT, but also even in old CBT, there's, there's techniques called externalization of voices, which are basically entirely um, improv-based and which a provider can be much better at if they have improv training. But I want to I just go back briefly to some things you said to um, kind of flesh them out more. And maybe we can even kind of a- a demonstrate what you're talking about when you said yes and and yes but. Um, so first, when he said CBT and DBT and EMDR, those are types of therapies. Um, and you can refer to, we actually have some episodes about those if you want to check those out. Um, if you um, if you don't know what yes and is, yes and is the idea that you are accepting someone's reality, that's yes, and then adding to it and. And that doesn't necessarily mean agreement, it means accepting uh, the concept someone built, hearing them. And what's really interesting about this in improv is you're basically, the training for improv is you're kind of putting yourself in this boot camp where over and over, you're forcing yourself to take other people's ideas, let go of whatever preconceived notions you had. Let's say you came to the scene thinking it was gonna be about a firefighter and they're telling you that your name is Mark and you're a postman and you're accepting that and then you're building upon it. And to be doing that as a part of your life is fantastic training for things like marital success, things like job success. You're basically, you're, you're reducing your ego. You're allowing yourself to be accepting of others' ideas. So maybe, I don't know if you want to. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's you and I play for a minute. Let's so, do it. So here's a game um, that I just really love. That's uh, that anybody can do it. And you can do it on a long drive when you're bored with a loved one, if you want. Um, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, Dr. Essman. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR. We're here with Dr. Jeff Katzman. He's talking about improvisation and psychiatric practice. And we're just going to embark on an exercise he's going to give us. And we're very terrified. At least I am. (laughs) And and before, sorry, before you start to, sorry to interrupt. Is this an example of what you would do in a session with a patient? It is not. Um, I I can talk a little bit about that. I would love to hear like a, an example. This is more of a training yeah. thing for okay. practitioners. Okay, all right. Okay, or business folks. You, you want me to, to go ahead with this and then yes. let's do yeah. it. Then we yeah. can circle back yeah. and talk about um, specific things that you might do. Great. Um, theory. Um, I really do believe though that that more than the technique um, is, is that there is a spirit that one gets from improv that really does uh, revolve around say, uh, saying yes and collaborating and getting really, friendly with your mistakes um, as opportunities. That is really the heart of being a, a therapist as an attitude. So if, if um, 
Alan, if we were to uh, just play a game that starts um, with, I woke up this morning and we're the same person. So we're both gonna speak from the first person. We're a shared person. I'll say, um, uh, I woke up this morning. And then you say, yes, I woke up this morning. And, and then you say the next thing that happened to us. And we're creating a, a human together. Is that yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. Okay. An experience. Yeah. That sounds great. So you start and then I'll add on to it. Okay. I woke up this morning and the first thing I did was reflect on Nietzsche and pick my nose. Yes. I reflected on Nietzsche and picked my nose and I felt drops of water on top of my head. I looked up and I remembered the neighbor's toilet and I cried. Yes, I remembered the neighbor's toilet and I cried. And I opened the window and shouted out loud. I shouted for Rebecca. Alas, Rebecca did not hear. Alas, Rebecca did not hear. And I decided to go out the window. Anyway, we, we, would, we, would, we would go on and on like this, um, creating a story that we might wind up on the moon. Who, know, who knows uh, where we would be? Um, but this is a little bit of the process um, between a parent and child saying, um, offering and, and making offers and receiving offers back and forth and working together and, and struggling with not knowing where we're going. Um, and, and that's what we do when we're learning to be a therapist. Doesn't matter the paradigm. Uh, and if we can get comfortable with that not knowing stance, uh, then then we can actually create something. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, so coming from a child psychiatry background, I literally just found out about this book called Bubblegum Brain by Julia Cook. It's a picture book for kids. And the concept is very much the same idea. It's comparing a bubblegum brain to a brick brain. And you can get kind of an idea of, you know, the bubblegum brain is flexible, it's hopeful, it, it talks about learning and growth. The brick brain is this concept of you only care about what you know and there's kind of negative self-talk and things. So the bubblegum brain is flexible and, you know, bubbly. It's it's very cute. The picture book is very cute. But um, I literally use that in session today with one of my patients. Very nice. Yeah, um, yeah really, really, really nice. So, so uh, getting to your question then about specific techniques, let me uh, chat a little bit about our second um, book that's about to come out. Um, because I, I, do, I really do think it's uh, important uh, f for what we're all going through right now. And my, uh, Dan O'Connor, who was my improv teacher and co-author of our first book, uh, he and I were talking extensively during the pandemic and really struggling with the experience of feeling detached and isolated and lonely. And, and I got really into trying to understand what is loneliness and, and reading about loneliness as a mental health risk but also as a physical health risk and, and really the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day um, and the cardi cardiovascular risks of loneliness. And there's a kind of a whole long list of what happens um, when you are feeling isolated. And, and um, that actually was an has been an epidemic far before COVID-19, um, the epidemic of loneliness in our society. And for me, uh, there's something about improv, which is kind of an anti-loneliness um, cure. And in, in a number of ways, um, one of those ways is if you take an improv class, most people, they want to learn improv, but they, they want to have some kind of experience of community. And when you think about it, our parents belong maybe to the American Legion, or they did civic stuff. 
Um, there's a book. Um, yeah. Anyway, we don't do that so much. Ever since the advent of the television, people are home alone watching televisions, maybe with their loved ones, but we're in bubbles and units. We don't gather. Right. So imp improv does offer that, but it offers um, kind of uh, like, I don't know, I were just playing with the opportunity to connect. And, and I will share now, um, my, for me, one of the most powerful improv games uh, to play that I've played with patients quite a number of times in a group setting uh, is, is to go somewhere. And, and so I worked with a group of really fairly, um, um, well, it was on a, a PTSD, a veterans PTSD rehab program. It was the first of the welcome home program. So it was after experiences of um, uh, exposure therapy that these patients were referred to our unit. And it was really about coming to life um, and giving up the sole identity of, of a, a veteran, a Vietnam veteran, but actually who else are you? Um, and, and trying to build uh, other kinds of skills, uh, augmenting that important one. So every week we would create um, a world and I would just say, where are we going today? And, and people who were um, withdrawn, detached, um, not caring so much about other people or about life suddenly came to life. And one memory of one of my favorite groups of somebody said, we're going to Planet Pink. And I said, okay, well, tell me about Planet Pink. And everybody shared about what it is like there on Planet Pink. And suddenly we're not alone anymore. We're, we're together in the creation of a special world. And I said, what's the problem on Planet Pink? And somebody said, well, there is a baby who's born blue. And I, and I said, okay, um, we have a problem. Who are you on Planet Pink? And everybody created a character. And then I was um, directing traffic as we interacted with one another in these characters. The amazing thing is how able people are to interact as these characters once they are no longer trapped by their own personal scripts of themselves. Uh, so that's just kind of one example of like a, a group technique. That's different than what you were talked about before about right. more like psychodrama, but really about engaging play and creativity that ended in laughter, um, hugs, um, uh, remarkable, r remarkable sense. I see. It, it really is just a random thing. It's like, whose line is it anyway? It, it's, it's not like whose line is it anyway, because it's, it's not based on little gimmicks. It's based on authentic connection and building something together, not that, being that clever. Right. So it's, right. it's long form improv. There is a, just to, to piggyback off uh, what Dr. Katzman is saying. I once heard someone say uh, this line that um, receiving a postcard is like uh, sex and Christmas put together. That's how good it feels. That's amazing. And yeah. I, I think that that's improv. So, so imp, that what, what we haven't talked about is when you're the recipient of the yes and when someone is taking every idea you put out there and playfully and thoughtfully adding to it and listening to you, really listening to you. It's you come away and you just feel great. And you take these risks because you're, you're, you're not saying your best lines ever. You're saying whatever comes to your head and it's all getting accepted. And there's this sense that I can't do any wrong. My whole human experience is being met with love. Okay. That's exactly right. To be seen is to be loved, right? Um, that's that's exactly right. Um, the the other thing that I think improvisation 
even a little experience with it can really do for a therapist is to turn on our power of curiosity. Um, so it, it helps us really to get curious in the world of another person. We are trained um, to have the answer and to provide something and to give something. But uh, sometimes when we do that, we obliterate actually the world of the other person. Uh, so, so for example, I was working with somebody who was describing a, an experience um, in, in which uh, she was feeling like she was uh, coming to life. And I was about to launch into some interpretation about what happened, um, but um, she was describing it in her body. And I said, well, what, what would you call that place? And it was really from a much more curious standpoint than an interpretive standpoint. And she said, oh, I, I would call it my living space. It's, it's how I know I'm alive. Um, and and it, it actually, if, if I hadn't engaged in a curious way, but had landed in a more how we're taught in an interpretive way, um, it would have just been my reality slapped upon hers. And this is, this is how we can share and build realities by being uh, curious in, in one another. And then, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm, from what you guys are saying, the way I'm conceptualizing this is a little bit of like, this is a way to tap into the subconscious, but also engage with the subconscious in a therapy session. Is that kind of, and, and that acceptance of the subconscious is there as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, uh, that can emerge, um, our unconscious experiences and, and transactions or pre-conscious experiences can emerge okay. if somebody's curious about it. Because, yeah, that's really interesting compared to psychoanalytic therapy where the therapist is, you know, a void, um, that this is, complete, this is completely different. This is more aligned with more contemporary models of psychoanalysis, more relational models, um, uh, even uh, more short-term models where therapists are very active um, and, and really trying to build and collaborate uh, together, still based on the same dynamic ideas, but but not necessarily as a still face, but as a reciprocal partner, um, building and collaborating. Right. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah when I think about this, uh, it, there's so many things that improvisation includes. Not you're talking about the relationship and the genuineness, but also play and freeing up the person and kind of being free of these scripts that we kind of swallow throughout our lives. And so I, I feel like most drawn to that part of it because I feel a lot of clients come in and they have very rigid scripts and then they also play out and create scripts in the future and then feel they're almost self-fulfilling prophecies. And so, yeah, so I, I feel it's, it's like a human potential uh, exercise. exactly what it is. Mm. And, to, and to be able to start to, um, so there's a, my, my writing partner, Dan O'Connor, likes to talk about the work of Patsy Roddenberg, who's a Shakespearean actress. And she talks about um, three circles and, and trying to get to second circle, which is where we feel a sense of calm and our feet on the ground and our posture good. And um, it, as opposed to a first circle where, um, where we're slumped over with a low self-esteem or, uh, or erect in our posture would be and, and going through people more third circle but any any way that um this kind of work can help people start to wonder like how did i get this script how did i get to think who i am and are, is there a little bit more uh more potential here can um, i'm sorry did you finish your answer yeah I, I i just wanted to say um one thing about training about psychiatric training and and starting with psychotherapy mm -hmm. patients and i really remember 
feeling like this glaze would come over me. Like I'm now in the official, um, uh, I'm a psychotherapist. So I would kind of drop into silence as opposed to myself. And, and so improvisation really does help reassure, um, like when we do it with our trainees, um, they can bring that to the office. They can bring themselves. Because um, it, it is, if, if we're restricted by some idea of, of what a therapist should be, mm-hmm. then how are we going to help somebody who's trying to break free of their own patterns? And, you know, I, you know, not everyone can join an improv group. So is there a good practical strat- strategy that we can all apply to incorporate improvisation in our daily lives? Yes, yes. First okay. of all, most people can drop, join an improv group now because there's just online everywhere. Um, so you can you can join a virtual improv group and do it from the comfort of your own couch um, and play a little wow. safely if you're more introverted mm. and not have to go to a, a stage theater. Um, and go watch nice. improv. Go as a first, I mean, if you're interested in what we're talking about, go to a local improv theater and go watch improv and see how easy it is. And then, you know, get, try some at home. And, and then the, the last thing I would say is that we are really trained um, to not interact with strangers and that's how our isolation begins. And so a practice that we can begin to use is rather than the pattern that we're used to at the market where we check out and don't talk to the clerk um, to, to start to wonder and say, how's your day going? Or, or whatever unexpected interaction might happen. Or as we pass each other in a hallway when we get to do that again, you know, to wonder with each other beyond, hi, Bob, hi, Don, to stop for a second and have an unpredictable conversation. And, and I think those are some of the ways um, to really bring life into, back into our lives. That's good advice for coming, returning back to work in these post-COVID days. That's all the time we have on this edition of Let's Get Psych. Today we discussed improvisation and its incorporation in psychiatric practice with Dr. Jeff Katzman. Thank you, Dr. Katzman, for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. And thank you also to our co-hosts, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi and Dr. Alan Atkins. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com, and you can listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. If you like tonight's show, please follow us and post a review. This episode was recorded remotely in our homes. Our producer is Elliot Fong. Our production assistant is Ismail Gonzalez. If I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks, tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.